Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. The $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA, was signed into law a few weeks ago, and with it came an abundance of compliance concerns. Last week, NAHU hosted a Compliance Corner webinar presented by Vice President and Director of Employee Benefit Compliance for First Insurance Group, Barb Gerken. If you missed it, you can find it on NAHU.org under Membership Resources. Speaking of Barb, she's here today along with other members of our Compliance Corner Committee, Carol Taylor and Deanna Sizemore, to discuss the bill in greater detail. It should be noted that this episode will be focused primarily on the portions of legislation that impact the ACA marketplace and COBRA subsidies. And if you're looking for a much broader overview of the law, please listen to the March 12th edition of the Healthcare Happy Hour. So before we begin, would you mind going around and introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm Barb Gerken. I'm the Director of Compliance for our Benefits Division at First Insurance Group, and I also serve as the Legislative Chair for Ohio, the Region 3 Legislative Chair, and I'm also a member of the National Legislative Council. I'm Deanna Sosmore. I'm the Compliance Director with BIM Group in Lexington, Kentucky, and I've been part of NAHU for many years and served at the local level and currently immediate past president there, and I'm working with the NAHU Compliance Committee. And I'm Carol Taylor. I am in the sunshine state of Florida and been in the industry for over 30 years. I am the current legislative chair for the state as well as the communications and just announced incoming president or actually president-elect for the local Jacksonville chapter, former legislative council member, and longstanding compliance corner committee member. So let's start with some quick summaries of what exactly we're talking about this week. Can you provide a brief overview of provisions of ARPA that relate to these new COBRA subsidies? Absolutely. The provisions provide a new subsidy for individuals either electing COBRA or state continuation of coverage. The subsidies are available for a time period from April 1st through September 30th and cover 100% of the applicable premium. When we talk about the applicable premium, that does include that COBRA administrative fee. Employers then are able to claim the subsidies paid through credits on their quarterly Medicare taxes. The term assistance eligible individual or AEI is included and it applies to anyone eligible for the subsidy. And that includes employees who were involuntarily terminated or maybe they experienced a reduction in hours. It is not stated that the reason for termination or reduction of hours needs to be related to COVID. It's anyone who is involuntarily terminated or reduction in hours for any reason. And that person's still within their eligibility to elect COBRA, whether or not they ever elected it previously. And I'm gonna use an example. 
you know, we have an employee who terminated in July of last year, but never elected COBRA or state continuation where that may apply. And they still have the ability to elect now with the 4-1 effective date. They don't have to go retroactively. And that subsidy would be in place as long as their 18 months or 12 months. Again, state continuation or COBRA rule would apply for them. The subsidy would last throughout their maximum eligibility period. That person could not elect the subsidy if they have any group coverage, and that includes spousal coverage. And employers or their COBRA or state continuation vendors would be required to send out new notices of eligibility to these individuals, explaining the new rules, explaining how the subsidies work, and those would have to be sent out. We're waiting on some additional rules to make sure those are sent out appropriately. And then the employee has up to 60 days after that time period to elect coverage. Thank you. Would you mind also providing a brief overview of the provisions related to the temporary changes to the ACA marketplace? Yes, there's several components to this really. Starting with the 4-1 effective date, an individual can go to the federal marketplace and receive a change in their subsidy amounts with no individual paying more than 8.5% of their gross income towards the benchmark plan. Any individual earning up to 150% of the federal poverty level will have their premium completely subsidized. Those earning over 400% of the federal poverty level will be eligible for subsidy for the first time they will be the ones that cap out at 8.5% of their gross income. So that's a huge incentive to individuals who may have never been on coverage because of the lack of subsidy to be able to come in and enroll in coverage. We anticipate that four out of five enrollees should be able to find a plan for $10 or less per month, and over 50% will be able to find a silver plan for less than $10. What's important to recognize, though, is that individuals need to go back to the marketplace to amend their application if they want this new change in subsidy to apply now. The change was effective January 1st of this year, so they go to the marketplace, they amend their application, and then they have to reselect their plan. They also have the option to select a different plan, but I would caution that they need to be really careful about that, particularly if they're moving to another carrier, for example, and they've already met a portion of their deductible or they're out of pocket. An individual could wait and decide not to update their application right now. They could do it at the end of the year through their annual tax filing and get the same credits that they would if they went to the marketplace today. One item that is proving to be administratively difficult to implement is the provision within the law that, that states that anybody who is either approved for or receiving unemployment in 2021 will be considered at 133% of the federal poverty level for that marketplace coverage purpose. In essence, they would pay no premiums towards that benchmark plan. However, HHS just announced that the provision will not be administratively able to be implemented until July. It doesn't say that the person wouldn't get subsidy for those months, but they unfortunately have to reconcile that through their taxes. So we wait for new guidance as to how that's going to be administered and the exact effective date that will come into play. And if you did not see one additional piece, it was announced that the SEP in the marketplace will extend through August 15th. 
So let's start with some of the most frequently asked questions that we at NAHU have been receiving. First, is this COBRA subsidy provision for dental and vision or just medical? This is Deanna. It is applies to medical, dental, and vision. It does not apply to flexible spending accounts. So the next question we've been receiving quite a bit is in regards to state continuation. How do the COPER provisions relate to state continuation? This is Carol. Some states, of course, there's this lovely mishmash of different rules and laws all across the country. So some states may only have six months of extension, others maybe 18 months. You have to look at your own state provisions. One other item is that not all of the states require the extension of coverage for the dental or vision products, only the medical. So whatever your state law is going to be basically sitting on top of that as well. So you really need to look at what your state law has and then, you know, basically kind of fill the federal into that. I think that there's probably going to be a lot more questions coming on this. Some states have the employer sending out notices. Others have it on the carrier. So there's probably going to be a lot of administrative questions coming because the carriers may not even know at the moment who was termed involuntarily and who was termed voluntarily. So it might be a good thing to kind of start prepping employers for gathering that information in case, you know, the carrier reaches out about that. If a broker works with clients in the individual market who now qualify for subsidies on the ACA exchange, can they still train to sell on the exchange in order to help those clients? Sure. The email I know came out from RegTap. So those of you that are on that lovely distribution list, if you are one of the folks that sell on the marketplace, you can still do the training to sell on that. And all of the information you should be able to access through the CMS portal. So another question that we've been receiving in regards to the ACA marketplace. Will access to these new ACA subsidies vary state by state at all? How is it going to work with the state marketplaces? We anticipate that it'll be very much like the provision for the unemployment, unfortunately. So a state-based exchange may not have the ability to implement this provision as quickly as the federal exchange did. So all the same rules apply. It's just whether or not the state can get it up and running by April 1st or when that will be. So it's important that you individually reach out to those state exchanges to find out their implementation date. But again, all of the same processes for claiming that will apply, whether they do it through their state-based exchange or do it through their federal tax filings. So other than the questions we just discussed, what are some frequently asked questions you all have been receiving? Well, I know that we're all receiving a lot, so I will start with one. I'm getting questions as what what happens for those people that have paid their premiums in advance, whether they did it by the year or they paid several months in advance. The law was very specific and said that if someone has paid their premium for that time period, April 1st through September 30th, they must be reimbursed within 60 days of their payment date. So that's very important. And I have received quite a few questions on that provision. Another question that we've seen is if someone's out on disability and exhausts their FMLA, is that a voluntary term or involuntary term? And unfortunately, 
we're waiting for additional guidance on how that will be defined for an involuntary term. If no guidance is provided, it'll be up to the employer really to make that determination. And they should consult with state and local regulations to define a voluntary termination versus involuntary. We've been seeing a range of questions, including the ones that have already been addressed here. But we've also seen several about the resetting of the paid sick leave bucket, uh, so to speak. And of course, you know, knowing that there's additional items on that, with it being voluntary, the employers aren't required to pass those hours along. However, they do really need to look at, are we really doing a disservice if somebody really has been exposed? You don't want it running through your office or store or whatever, you know, wherever you are operating from. So we're seeing a lot of questions about that as well as cautionary because some employees were, there's some concerns about people trying to game the system and trying to take all the hours that they can get. So always that fine line on all of the different items within the law. I will bring up one other question that will probably lead into one of your other questions as well, but I'm getting a lot of questions on what is considered involuntary. So I've had questions, you know, are retirees eligible? Are you able to provide this to dependents who are aging off the plan? And the answer is what we think today, those individuals would not be eligible, but we don't know what the Department of Labor is going to determine to be involuntary. Are they going to include a definition that says somebody who doesn't feel safe working in their environment because of COVID, is that involuntary? We just don't know yet. So according to today's rule, a dependent who ages off would not be eligible and a a retiree would not be eligible because they're voluntarily retiring, but the law states involuntary termination or reduction in hours. So what the Department of Labor determines that to be yet to be seen. Also seen several questions about the COBRA eligibility period, if that's been extended and it has not. So if they're eligible for 18 months, it's still 18 months. If they're eligible for 29, 36, that's still the same. They do not get extended COBRA time. I would also add just a basically a point of clarification that in order for those subsidies to be in effect, the person can't be eligible for other group coverage. If they've gone to work somewhere else and they're offered coverage, then they're not going to be able to get this subsidy on the COBRA side. And it's probably important to note behind that, Carol, that if someone remains on the plan and has not notified the employer that they're now ineligible for the subsidy because they have group coverage, that's a $250 penalty. And if it's found to be fraudulent, then it's either $250 or 110% of the subsidized premium, whichever is greater. So that will be a significant impact for those individuals who do not reach out and let their employer know. And that's the individual policing that, correct, Barb? Correct. The employee is responsible for notifying their employer. Another question I've seen on top of that COBRA expiration date is the beneficiary eligible for COBRA on 11-1 of last year but didn't elect. They can, in effect, elect for April this year through September to get the subsidy and not have to pay retro premiums. Yes, I think there's going to be a lot of confusing scenarios. So, you know, I've had the question, what about the person who elected, who actually elected COBRA and hasn't paid their premium yet? We believe that person would be still responsible for the premiums up through 
April 1st, they receive the subsidized premium, but then those payments are still eligible for the outbreak period delay. So um, more to follow on that. We anticipate some of that will be answered by the Department of Labor. So as you all mentioned, there are quite a few questions that will eventually be answered by federal agencies. So what ARPA-related federal guidance or regulation are you expecting in the coming weeks? Several things, hopefully. Model notices for the COBRA should be coming out shortly from the Department of Labor. Hopefully, we'll get clarification on some of these questions that we had. And and not to sound like a a broken record, but with any legislation that passed, we always have to wait for the how-tos to come out from the agencies. And hopefully, we'll get more clarification on how certain employers are going to handle this, the definition of voluntary versus involuntary, and a little more guidance on how to actually make this work. And as a reminder for all of our listeners, our Compliance Corner webinar hosted by BARB is on NAHU.org under Membership Resources, along with a Q&A document that contains answers to many questions that you may have. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. What are we toasting to this week? This is Marcy, and this week we're toasting to the Compliance Corner, specifically Barb, Deanna, and Carol for helping us go through all of this and to Barb for doing such a great job going through last week with our webinar on the American Rescue Plan. And a big toast to all of the other compliance folks, sometimes we call ourselves nerds and wonks, that spent so much time going through the hundreds of pages of this new law to be able to report back to you all how to be in compliance. And we'll be back on it as soon as we get those regulations so we can clarify some of these finer questions that you have as well. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.